from Los Angeles, California. This is The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. This is a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. Enjoy. In the next two episodes, Dr. Wendy and I talk about the explosive romantic relationship between someone with borderline personality disorder and someone with narcissistic personality disorder. We're going to talk about what it can look and feel like to its participants and everyone around them. Since Dr. Wendy is my supervisor as I'm finishing my MFT intern hours, our conversations can take on a clinical vibe now and then, so that's more for me than for you. On this show, we're just brainstorming on relationship topics we find interesting in some way. We can't cover everything and we're not even going to pretend to try, so we'll just do our best to include the information in the show notes that we do mention in the show. So you can take that and dive into it on your own, however deep you want to get into the psychosphere, uh, that's your choice. And I know I probably don't need to say this, but remember, the content in this or any of our episodes is not meant to be used to diagnose yourself or others. Just leave that to a professional. Okay, let's do this. Is your mic on? Yeah, my mic is on. I'm just trying to make sure. You're playing with that big microphone, like. Yeah, you know, I was thinking on my way up here that we really should name it, and I was thinking yes. I could name it Big Mike, and it wouldn't really offend anyone or. How you doing? I can't know. <laughs> Hello, Big Mike. Big Mike, what's up with your big mic? If our if our audience could see, I just um, would describe it as. It's like a huge silver, huge, big and large girth and wide. It's a large silver. It looks like a bullet, like a huge bullet. Would it, you say that? Yeah, it's say? kind of like a, it's it's a giant silver pill or minion. Huh. But it was or funny because when little... you were adjusting it, you were adjusting it and it just, just um, looked a bit inappropriate for our podcast. Really? Inappropriate for our podcast. Not really. Um, so, hi everybody. What's up? How you doing? Hello, podcast listeners. How you doing? Is this thing on? It's on like Donkey Kong. So, welcome <laughs> back. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Jenny. This month, our topic is relationships between people with borderline personality disorder and partners who have narcissistic personality disorder. Yes, that would be the correct way. Or you could say, AKA, toxic love. Yes, very toxic love. I mean, you can have toxic love without being borderline or narcissistic. Absolutely. <laughs> but this is sort of the extreme. This particular pairing really highlights a lot of behaviors that even the healthiest of people can get into at certain points or relationships. And when you've really got people with these personality disorders, it augments it and it's consistent and it's chronic as opposed to just situational. What exactly are you saying? I'm okay. sorry. I was I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, a little distracted. Someone's okay. got ADD in the house. No, no. Uh, so basically what I'm saying is that yes. this relationship, this kind of relationship between this pairing, yes, the behaviors are extreme versions of behaviors that even healthy people can get into every once in a while in relationships. Absolutely. The mood swings, the uh, highs and the lows, the, the drama. aggression, the drama, the 
hypervigilance, the pulling away, the withdrawing. So what might a healthy person have to learn from looking at a borderline narcissistic relationship? That it's fun. <laughs> Woo! Good times. Ten tickets to ride. Yeah. Um, no. We are just, again, playful. We're just playing. Being playful. Playing. We are therapists. You know, and I just want to say, because I always feel like I need yes, to say we, it. Yes, we can put it out at the beginning. The disclosure is, you know, that, yes, we take clinical issues very seriously, but this is a show where you get to know us a little bit more in a personal way, and um, that we use humor a lot to cope with some of the very tragic, harsh devastating or traumatic stories that we hear on a daily basis so really our hearts are very um, empathetic and understanding to these issues um, so by no way do we make fun of these issues but you know there's something called vicarious trauma that sometimes therapists experience where we'll hear very heavy-duty stories and um, you know the way that we process with other colleagues sometimes can be in a playful way because it's just so painful, the things that we hear on a daily basis. I always think about my grandfather taught special ed for like 30, 35 years. And when asked how he could do it for so long and still be as enthusiastic and into it as he was, he said, you gotta laugh. You just, if you don't laugh, you cry and you have to find the humor and the joy in it when it's there, uh, but the humor was really, really important. So. Right. And you know, when you asked me, what's the difference between a regular versus the narcissistic borderline relationship, behaviorally, when you look at them, um, their vibrato is bigger, more colorful. If you've ever been in a restaurant or a movie theater or out in public, or you could just look at TMZ or radar and you know, look at that, the couples um, in celebrity world, you can see couples that draw attention to themselves. There's what I call the spotlight on them. And it's almost like theater. You're kind of watching bad actors theater. That article that I stumbled across and I didn't, or it was really, it was a paper more than an article that Dr. Drew Pinsky did, he wrote, um, he was talking about how how much of it does happen in celebrity couples and in famous people and that from what they can tell because they're just starting to really study it it looks like reality television and those couples on that are the highest percentage of borderline narcissistic behaviors personalities couples and that kind of reminds me of what you just said when you said this dramatic over the top pay attention to me kind of coupled them yeah, you can see examples all over reality TV. That would be a great, great way to share it with people. Or, you know, you and I were talking about songs. Subtle songs, but songs that clearly um, show you that two people are addicted to each other. It's like love addicts, right. in a way. Um, so, you know, like Madonna's Borderline. 
Um, it's a very old song, but it's just, if you look at the video, it's a, just, you know, two young people and they're really into each other, but she constantly feels rejected and abandoned and, but she won't leave him alone. And she keeps going towards him and no matter what, how lovely he is and with the pout and how <laughs> handsome and he's walking away with his muscles and he's, you know, just looking oh so super so, sexy, so sexy and angry. Oh, he's so mad. What, what's he so <laughs> mad about? I, you know. But anyway, so sorry. Got swept away. She wants too much from him. She's just so he's and and but she won't leave him alone, and that's a great example too, because it's like we're fighting, but we're so ingrained. Right. It's so <laughs> ingrained. Like... Yeah. Sounds like. Is it ingrained or intertwined? What Both and meshed. <laughs> Enmeshed, yes. Enmeshed right. is yeah. one of my favorite words. I love Jenny and her vocabulary. <laughs> pull it out, girl. Pull it out. I'll take that. And then what's the other video? Oh, and then Katy Perry's Hot and Cold. I love that. Did you see that video? Yeah, I didn't watch the video. Uh, I, I, I great. listened to the song, though. And, and, you know, I'm not like, oh, you know, everybody go listen to Katy Perry. Because, I, I mean... I think she's good, but I'm not saying, like, I'm all, right. you know, like, I love hip-hop. If you like bubblegum pop. <laughs> but it's a good song, but and it's, it's a serious song, yeah. and it's disguised. hot and cold, and you're on, and you're off, and you're black, and you're white. Um, it's the worst PMS, you know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's great. But the whole video is about they're getting married, and they're at the altar, and the priest says, you know, do you, and she says, I do, and then it looks at the guy and says, do you, and he just stops, and he just swallows, and he's like, uh, and then she goes into her song, just like, cause you're hot and you're cold, you're yes then you're no, you're in then you're out, you're up then you're down, you're wrong when it's right, it's back and it's white, we fight, we break up, we kiss, we make up, you, you don't really want to stay, no, you Just blaming him for not giving the love back. And you could see how frightened she is. And it's very dramatic, but she's just so enraged by the end of the song, he says, I do. And so, but it, that's a great example also of borderline narcissistic because here we see again that no matter what, she will feel rejected, abandoned. She's scared he's not going to be into her. And then, uh, but she's so into him and it's so attractive and she just cannot walk away. You know, the way that I, think about it with a narcissistic borderline couple is you're you're knocking at a door that never opens or will never open or will open once in a blue moon and the you, minute you step away you take yeah. two steps away from it and the door's gonna open hey where yes. are you going yes we call that the dance yeah. of intimacy yeah. the approach avoidant couple so that really is a great way to describe them right the approach avoidant couple but it's not just one partners that way they're both that way even though they might look different they both kind of do the same thing right and out of early childhood trauma um so you know we think about the borderline personality disorder we can read so much about the definition but it's as therapists our job is to feel it's called projective identification so what our clients are projecting onto us and so when we sit with someone who's been diagnosed uh, borderline it's a very strong feeling of uh, either tremendous love, uh, affection, uh, almost as they put you on a pedestal. 
you're just above everyone else. They kind of look at you godlike. And then it could be two minutes or two hours or two weeks later. And then they drop you like a hot potato. And they devalue you and they dismiss you and they are abusive and aggressive. And then the tide switches again and it could be another two minutes or two days or two seconds where they adore you again. And it's a very strong feeling of that Katy Perry song, Hot and Cold, On and Off, Black and White. So you're describing a cycle of idealization and devaluation, or like you're the most awesome person in the world one minute and then the next minute you are the root of all evil. That sounds about right. So what about with narcissists? How, how does it look with narcissists? How would you describe a narcissist? Because I just want to say, I, I think that that word gets thrown around a lot and I think a lot of people think if somebody is acting in their own behalf, especially in romantic relationships too. If somebody's walking away and the other person doesn't want them to, it's they think that it's narcissistic. I think it gets overused. So could you talk about what it might look like clinically? Well, so again, it's that projective identification, that feeling, what is the feeling you get when you're sitting with someone who is truly narcissistic personality disorder, not just the traits or flare-ups or moments like you said, Jenny, but um, you know, it's a feeling, it's a feeling of, and rarely do narcissists really go into treatment because they don't think they need it, but if they do have aspects where someone has you know clinically diagnosed them and they do have some insight and they do want to work on it really it's attachment work you know then they're able to come in and really start to begin to look at it but it's really baby steps um, narcissistic people are extremely fragile uh, outside they look very egotistical they look very selfish they're extremely charming they have a sense of omnipotent uh, godlike uh, superpowers um, I'm the only one who can do this for you or to you <laughs> So there's also kind of like this caretaking aspect of them as well, which seems like it contradicts what we think of when we think of narcissists because we think of them as being selfish. But there's, I mean, there's a whole, well, most of them, I think, a lot of them def define themselves by what they can do for others. And, and I know that a lot of narcissists think of it like, um, I don't need anyone, but everyone needs me. Like, you need me, but I don't need you. And or they won't allow themselves to need other people. They really have a deep need for them, as you're talking about in the attachment work and the trauma and all that, but that in the context of a relationship, they can be wonderful caretakers, especially in the 
best parts. But it's selfish, right? Because it's all about them. Right. So I'll take care of you because you need me because, uh, you know, we can walk in a room and I'll pick up the bill because everybody will look at me saying, oh my God, I can't believe you just picked up that big check. Right. Or how many times do people go like to dance clubs and they go get the bottle service and, you know, they are really in debt and they can't afford bottle service, but they'll say, put it on my tab because they just want that moment of, oh, wow, can you believe he just did that for 30 people? Right. He's so special. <laughs> He's so, awesome. I want to party with you. I like that. Yeah. I will. <laughs> A ball. When you're where you should be all the time And when you're not, you're with some underworld spy or the wife You know, I just wanted to also say with a narcissistic um, uh, personality So, you know, that, that also comes out of early childhood I mean, trauma where their needs were not met Often like the borderline um, but the severe neglect, lack of eye contact, you know, in infancy, babies need that eye gaze, that attunement, that, that love and affection. And when they don't get it, babies' feelings have to go somewhere. So they stay internalized. And then the baby learns, well, I, I guess it's just up to me. Um, you know, it's that failure to thrive or sink or swim, right? They either have to kind of take care of their needs um, when they're left alone and abandoned by mom and, and that attunement that is important to happen in early childhood. Um, but the baby then just kind of takes the feelings back and then learns that it's up to them. Later on in life, they look outside the world and they are desperate to be mirrored because they never got that growing up. Right. You just said that so seriously. Right. Ugh, I am good. Did I get it? Yeah, like, I think a lot of people, and and I am putting myself in here at different points, you know, in my life. I think, think of narcissists as, oh, well, they don't care. There's nothing there. It's, it's empty beneath. I think people can be very unkind and, and not fully recognize what you're describing. I think it's really important to view both people with borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder with as much compassion as you can. I mean, obviously you have to protect yourself. It is not an excuse to let somebody abuse you or to stay in a dysfunctional relationship that's not going anywhere and not doing an, either of you any good. But, yeah, so there's a spectrum of the safety issues, you know, at the other end with addiction and abuse and all that. But honestly, a lot of people, when they think about it, they can kind of look back into their generation, not saying I have anybody in my family generationally with borderline or narcissistic. Maybe. 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 Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Yes. But, yeah, there's a spectrum in it and they can be very slight, but extremely damaging and heartbreaking and if you have someone who they, they are charming and they're loving and they do have these moments where you can connect and then and then abruptly shut down it can be heartbreaking for daughters for sons for husbands for wives for for your own children the flavor is very abrupt it feels very Heartbreaking is the only thing that I can feel about it, say about it. 
accept the rejection when somebody gets too close. Yep. They they're very uncomfortable, even though it's what they want. The intimacy and that attachment that you're talking about, that closeness, and and this is similar to the borderline. Uh, somebody with borderline, you know that what they want and need underneath everything they have less chance of getting because their behaviors actually work against them. This could be useful. You start pushing people away and or shutting down like you're saying and people are going to step back from you and you're going to end up feeling rejected and abandoned which is at the root of both of these personality disorders. Well, and it, some people can walk away. So if one person is narcissistic and the other person doesn't have a diagnosis like either of those, the healthy person can, this is important to let people know, you know the healthy person can identify it, say, you know what, this, this is absolutely dysfunctional, this is highly conflictual, this is damaging, it's unhealthy for me, and set those boundaries and walk away. Last year's with him, there were bruises on my face in my dawn and new day. I finally got away, but my head's all messed up, and he knows just what to say. No more dawn and new days. I'm going back to stay. with either of those, whether it's narcissistic or borderline. I have an article on my blog, Narcissistic Borderline um, Relationships, and that is the number one article that has gotten so much email, whether it's positive or negative. I've gotten wonderful, I, I mean, I'm grateful for all of it because I learned from them, but I have people who have been on the other end of it and just heartbroken because they never could reach those people, whether their family members are in relation, romantic relationships. Um, but then I've gotten a lot of email saying, I am a diagnosed borderline person and let me tell you my experience. And in the first paragraph, they love me. And then the second paragraph, they hate me. And then in the last paragraph, they love me again. So <laughs> the hot and the cold. Yeah. And that's something that we talk about a lot called splitting. Mm-hmm. And um, that borderline personality, that's what it looks like, the hot and the cold, the on and the off. But that there is a uh, poor sense of self inside where people are very fragile. And whether it's called splitting or fragmented parts of self. That's why, um, you know, a lot of people when they grow up in trauma, traumatic situations, whether it's domestic violence or physical or sexual abuse, um, addiction, uh, whatever it is, often, you know, or divorce, just the simple idea of the boot camp mother and the Disneyland father. Right. You get those bipolar-ish experiences where the child has to then kind of regulate to whatever situation they have. And that's how they survive. Their survival mechanism. Right. So Some of us had to do that yeah, growing up. Absolutely. I totally I totally did and I think that you know regardless of a diagnosis or not in divorce you do you see a lot of the back and forth, you know, what do you say to one person and not say to the other and yeah, the walking you know, on eggshells. Walking on eggshells. Hypervigilant. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And, and parents who are going through that with kids should really be thoughtful about that because I don't think that it's an intentional thing. Uh, and a lot of parents may not even realize that it's going on, that the child feels a split sense of loyalty. And Jenny, can you, can you see that here's one couple, they're divorced and they don't have any diagnosed, any stuff, just, you know, typical family stuff. Um, and then could you also take another situation, same thing where the kid has to go to a divorced family, you know, in different environments, but one parent is borderline and one is narcissistic. Can you imagine the damage that that does? <laughs> and that's when you become a therapist. <laughs> An because, awesome therapist. Because you learn to see all sides of a situation. Yeah, yeah, but they have to, they have to become resilient you either fall apart decompensate and suck in those symptoms and then it you become a baby borderline or a baby narcissist which we have seen absolutely um, or you grow up and you use it to your advantage and become extremely resilient and hyper vigilant and you make it work for you in career and in life and in love yeah because there's a lot of skills that you can develop just by going <laughs> through that you always say when I just messed up, did bad, done wrong, gone too far, cause such pain, such shame, I'm illegal, see one side and no fast in Absolutely, it's funny cause you know. We're laughing, yeah, you guys aren't seeing us, but we're laughing because we can identify. Yeah, we can personally identify with this and, and this, you know, since we're talking about kids right now, I'll just kind of talk about this just a little bit too, is that, because you just mentioned it, when, so this might have to do with adult, uh, adults with borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder, that children mirror what they see. So they may very well have also had parents who displayed these traits. And so they themselves develop coping skills based on what they saw. So if every time somebody is frustrated, they go into a rage, then, you know, a child watching that will think that that's what you do, right? Or um, a need for perfection, a child will adapt in that way. So sometimes people develop these character traits and maybe when they're not working for them anymore, they go and they get help and then they realize like, okay, I can change it. But it's that children can end up mirroring these behaviors because their parents are narcissistic or have borderline personality disorder. Or they'll be threatened if they don't mirror. So say you have a highly narcissistic dad. Although there are lots of women narcissists, I'm just using that as an Well, actually, it's oh, interesting because there's more men. Men are more typically diagnosed. I have a, I, I know, I know you love it when I do this, but there are. Bring it out, girl. Bring those we, stats. We do. We have a statistic on this. Um, more men are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, and more women are diagnosed with bipolar I'm sorry not bipolar borderline personality <laughs> it's interesting you said bipolar though because bipolar one of the things is everybody says how do you know how do you know what's bipolar and what's narcissistic I mean sorry uh, borderline personality disorder the difference is that borderline 
can't be treated really with medication. There's nothing, you can give them everything and they don't, you know, they still do what they do because it's a behavioral cognitive dysregulation, right? And so the bipolar is more a genetic, it can be genetic and um, behavioral. Would you describe it that way? Or? Yeah, I think that's, that's great because I do think that people get confused because they also sound alike and even in abbreviations, you know, BPD for borderline personality disorder or bipolar yeah. disorder. So it can get very confusing. Moving on. So the teenage stage can be very confusing because often it looks very narcissistic and very borderline or very uh, bipolar. And so a lot of people say, well, how do you know? This could be useful. Say you have a teenager that is raging at home, but is a perfect angel in public uh, with her friends and in school and everything is fine, but horrific behind closed doors. That's a possibility that they're not bipolar. Right. It's a possibility that they can control it when they are they're not around people who trigger them. So yeah. it's more likely borderlines, what you're saying? Yeah, uh-huh. Or, or some other uh-huh. personality disorder. So I found this statistic. It says, uh, quote unquote, experts have said that more than 75% of narcissists are diagnosed narcissists are men. So, And I'm curious who is diagnosing them. Right. I think you mentioned it already. I mean, the likelihood of people who are narcissistic, who have narcissistic personality disorder, and also actually borderline as well, they're both too two types that are the least likely to go into <laughs> therapy just for soul searching or because they're tremendously bothered by their issues. I don't know. Yeah. And how do you know? So a couple things come to my mind. Number one, don't you think that's a bit subjective anyway? Because say if I have a history, I am a psychiatrist, an MD, whatever, a specialist, and I have a history of borderline and narcissistic, number one, I can identify it, that's great, but number two, I might get triggered by you, and then I might want to diagnose your ass. <laughs> you know, not me as a therapist, but you know what I mean? Like unconsciously, it might be that there's a stronger wave to maybe sub- unconsciously diagnose Right, your a own counter-transference. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, it's, that it's sort of, uh, you're looking for confirming evidence of what you might already think is there mm-hmm. they're like well that looks or feels like that and I I'm triggered so it must be that but or who sends them in right who sends them in for therapy that's also interesting like you need to go get checked out because blah 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 you know but how you know that it really is serious is that it impairs your level of functioning that it impairs relationships work uh, love um, family day-to-day tasks if you truly are diagnosed at that level, um, and yes, I am one person who believes that they can have healing aspects. Oh, absolutely. Because a lot of research and a lot of articles that you read, I mean, it's just really sad to read that there's no help. Yeah, it I think that's bullshit. <laughs> worked through, but you know, we're attachment therapists too, so it's kind of, you know, don't, I, nothing is impossible if there's a willingness to change. I think that's the key word, is the willingness. If somebody is willing to go to therapy, if they are acknowledging that 
something it's 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 a little bit like AA that something has become unmanageable and this is not just with narcissist narcissistic personality disorder which I am just going to say my sibling s's that's going to be like oh it's narcissistic uh or borderline personality disorder I mean it's any personality disorder or any kind of behaviors when something is impairing your ability to connect hurting your work your interpersonal relationships just everything that you just said that's when you want to go in really just relax exactly and come see us but and i've read plenty of articles too where people are advising therapists right lots of professional articles um or papers that advise not to take more than one borderline patient at a time that you can't handle it and then some people though that is their niche that is their that's their money right that that is what they're really good at yep. and it's yep. like and I'm, I'm just saying money not in terms of actual money as much just like that that's where they really connect and what they really are good at and you know we treat borderline personality disorders as well as narcissistic personality disorders because I think you and I were trained at an agency, I don't want to speak for you, but I will, um, is, you know, that we were trained in hardcore crisis intervention and management. You really have to feel prepared. You have to really feel what we call the container um, and containment and really feel like you're able to uh, hold them in a really caring place without judgment or taking it personally because the strong dysfunction that comes along with this diagnosis is, is heartbreaking. But if you understand the core of where this comes from, plus if you've had some family history of possible family members, you know, then, then we really understand the flavor of what that feels like, but also how to manage that, to identify it. And I, yeah, I've heard that too while we were interns or growing up, you know, in the psychology field of take one or take two. That's just silly to me because I feel like, but I get it. And you really, and there'll be some I know people, people who, who won't say, take yeah, them at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was... I won't. And you know what I love throughout the years? I have had lovely people who have the first sentence is, I'm a borderline personality, you know, and, um, and I would really love to work with you. You know, the fact that you have already kind of a little bit of an awareness or someone has diagnosed you or you think you have something that's interrupting your life and you want help, are you kidding me? Yeah. My door is open. My heart is open. Come on in. Why wouldn't I do it? Really? Just relax. Exactly. And come see us. So then we can talk about the spectrum of how gnarly and intense it gets. Sometimes these types of uh, people who struggle with this disorder, who are so damaged and, and fragile and frightened of the world, make the world its bully, if that makes sense, where they'll sue anybody or they right. will rage at anybody. They will become unsafe. They will become addicts to the point where they can get in the emergency room and almost kill themselves. So we're talking a spectrum when we talk about these diagnoses. And you know, there's, there's the natural overt narcissist, um, which is the arrogant, grandiose, entitled, exploitive, yeah. Um, kind of narcissist that that's the kind of classic one that everybody kind of, Oh, you know, it's, he's the puff up Donald puff. Trump. 
fish. It's going to be huge. You might be our president, so watch out, girl. <laughs> I don't think so, but anyway. Uh, to talk about politics and narcissism, Whew. it's the same. They, there's it's been studies topic. that show the uh, prevalence of narcissism in the financial sector. Oh, Obviously, yeah. we know about it in the entertainment industry, living here in Los Angeles. You know, it's yes. a lot of people come move here and they are you you have to have a certain amount of confidence to be able to continually go in and get rejected as an actor or to take the risk in the stock market or or to say awful damaging humiliating destructive <laughs> trump statements that are so obnoxious extreme who are you to think that you are not human like the rest of us well, That's seriously a narcissistic personality disorder. However, you can also make it work for you, right? By running studios and running empires and sure, and five hundred. Both yep. of both of these kinds of people can be incredibly in, uh, intelligent. I mean, they're driven. They are charismatic. Again, sometimes it's only behind closed doors that the true. Dr. Jekyll. I don't know which one. Is it Mr. Hyde or is it Dr. Jekyll that's behind closed doors? I don't I don't know. But the the more negative of the two, you know, may not be as apparent to the outside world. She can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes. And she can ruin your faith with her casual lies. And she only reveals. I think internally, and I've had this conversation in, with other people regarding politics, to be a politician, you have to be willing to go out there and absorb all the shit that comes at you. Negative stuff is, is going to come at you regardless. The and higher so, up you get, you have to be willing. And some people can be in denial of that, and, and, and then other people in denial, taking everything and going, yeah, 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 today's a great day and I can just handle any political blah, blah, blah. But then the true narcissist says, I'm so fucking fabulous. It is off the chain. <laughs> and this world needs to have a little flavor of me. You are lucky. If you get to shake my hand, you are one lucky mofo. Right. <laughs> you know. Let me entertain you. There's the covert narcissist. Yes, which talk is about a, that. Which is the same with all of that other stuff, except that person's a bit more shy, mm -hmm. excessive worry, right? Um, ineffective. Let's see. Got uh, some passive aggressiveness. Yep. There. Unfulfilled expectations. They're very vulnerable to stress, and I would say someone like, you know, Clinton would would be uh, a flavor of possibly a covert because you know the things that he dared to do and not thinking he would get busted for it mm. or whatever yeah. um is warm and charming and that is a quality of the narcissist in general is they are just they sweep you away girl <laughs> they are exactly. lovely what i was thinking exactly i mean they they will sweep you off your feet they'll tell you what you want to hear they're 
amazing and fun to be around. Same with border, uh, people with borderline personality because they can be so charming. It's very important to them, so they've developed the skill. A lot of them can be incredible storytellers and performers in all aspects. Let me do a few tricks. Some old and then some new tricks. I'm very mm, versatile. And if you're real good, problem comes if they perceive any disapproval or rejection or criticism out of early childhood right abandonment rejection abuse so i so i have borderline personality disorder and i'm at a party and everybody's like seems charmed but then somebody makes a, a rude quip back at me and that could turn me a completely different direction send me into a spiral I could I could start pouting, I could rage, I could run. There's so You could so slam many. doors, you could break break glasses. Um yes, the borderline is very unstable, especially with relationships. They feel worthless, they feel insecurity and just impaired relationships all over the place. And it's just messy. You almost feel like they throw up on you and then they hug and kiss you and sprinkle you with sugar 20 times an hour 20 times a day come here go away i love you i hate you now can you talk a little bit about histrionic because I, I know we're not talking so much about histrionics but just so that if, if that's coming that up cluster. for anybody it's in the cluster and i'm wondering what the distinction is yeah so the histrionic is it looks a little bit of both um but more borderline-ish but the difference is a huge flare of sexuality. Sexy and sexualized and wants that limelight, that attention, and is very dramatic. Uh, tons of Hollywood actresses um, or even actors um, have that histrionic Histrionic's a little more extreme, right? I mean, I, which is strange to say. Believe oh, uh, here, here's an example. Happens more. Uh, we'll have uh, someone who, like a client, come in and really a roller coaster. That's what borderline feels like, right? Or yeah, bipolar also, but borderline um, roller coaster highs and lows, and can't you know? You're trying to follow them. You're trying to be with them and attune with them, and. If they sense any, I mean, they're very hypervigilant, but the histrionic will come in with a, let's say it's a woman, a very tight dress, almost like she's going on some sexy, sexy, sexy date. <laughs> the breasts will be pumped up with a see-through dress with the nipple showing, and she's not wearing any underwear, and she lets you know it <laughs> so really you're talking about an overt attention seeking uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry i just had a strong reaction <laughs> yeah because yeah, i'm just thinking of some clients that i've had believe it or not i mean and the sad thing is deep down inside they're dying to be seen right and dying for you it's almost like a little six-year-old with pigtails that just wants you to say you look so pretty today but they don't have that capability. They don't have the vocabulary. They don't have the words. They don't have the insight. They're desperate and dying for attention and crying out for help. And in very scary situations, 
you know, sometimes they can become strippers. I'm not saying all strippers Absolutely are that. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, no, in fact, I think, right. you know, we can have a show just yeah. on that alone about how smart those women are, business women. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they can get in very dangerous situations. hats in part two of this episode Wendy and I talk more about the roller coaster ride that is the borderline personality and narcissistic personality relationship we'll also give our thoughts on its long-term prognosis and you might be surprised we share some examples of where we've spotted this couple in movies and on tv so don't miss that and hey we'd love it if you tweeted us where you've seen this dynamic duo out and about in movies on television and songs or even in books so just hit us up at wendy's twitter handle at ask dr wendy we'll see you there You've been listening to The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny, a casual conversation between two friends and colleagues taking serious topics not so seriously. Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Jenny J.B. Wilson see clients in private practice in Los Angeles, California, and can be found online at www.doctorwendyoconnor.com and www.jennijbwilson.com. For entertainment purposes only, 